1: Have a seat, everyone, and uh, thanks for, for singing, team. Thanks for leading us. In a little while, we're gonna we're gonna sing again, and we're gonna sing this song again. And as as we prepare for communion, so I just want to mention, if you're watching online, uh, you know, especially if you're watching from Ambrose House, many of you know this. We, we connect with a with a, a group of, of students and some leaders from our church meeting downtown, and they connect at a, at a coffee shop called Ambrose House. And if you're watching, we're so happy you tuned in. If you're in a home group. If you're watching this, I know you're you're gonna be uh, having some, some dialogue in the next week, uh, but also how important it is that today, as part of our gathering, we're gonna celebrate communion, and communion is the sacred meal. And for some of you, maybe that's new. You're like, what does that mean? Uh, what does this table here mean? And I'm gonna kind of walk us towards that and help us understand that together. And and if you're visiting us and we haven't had a chance to say hi, I'm just so grateful you're here. Uh, my name is Dominic, and I am one of the leaders and. The pastor here. And, and I love this season uh, of the year. It's kind of such a, a beautiful time where I think for me, I don't know for you, it kind of reminds me why I'm a Christian. I, I don't know if you've ever done this. Like every so often you need a reminder of like, why are you even a Christian? And, and if you've ever needed a reminder, I know for a lot of people, like this is a season where they realize they're not a Christian because they learn about Christmas and they learn about the season. They're like, I don't believe any of that. We're like, okay, well, at least you know the truth about who you are. But you know, this is a chance for us to say, you know what, what do we really believe? about a God who says, I love you so much that I have to enter your broken world and do something that only I could do now. And maybe you have questions about that. And so this morning as we begin, you'll feel this temptation that I feel, maybe you'll feel it as I'm sharing, to not talk about Christmas just yet. And part of why I want to do this is because I want to tell you that Christians for hundreds of years have tried to help us not rush to Christmas the way our culture rushes to Christmas. And the way they've done this is by saying, this is a season actually called Advent. Advent is not a word like, you'll see the word in the Bible, but it means arrival or coming. And part of the theme of Advent is saying, what are we going to do as we wait for God to arrive? What will you do between now and God's arrival? Think about what you'll do. Many of us, if we're not paying attention, we'll do what everybody else in the world does. We'll call family and make a meal, and we'll think, of you remember last year how we couldn't gather, and we'll do all those things. And after a while, you realize, like, you're just doing what everybody else is doing, and Christmas just means nothing. And so Advent is that time where we slow down, and we wait, and we listen, and we say, God, wait a second. The Bible invites us into a different rhythm as we move towards Christmas. And we want to help you do that. And to begin, I want to begin by asking you a very simple question. If God was trying to get your attention in the next few weeks, what do you think he would do to get your attention? If God were to get your attention in some way, was trying to get your, you know, make you more alert or aware of his presence in these next few weeks, what do you think God might do to get your attention? It's an important question. Because, you know, everybody in our world is always trying to get your attention. If you've noticed this, you know, companies spend a lot of money to track eye time, click time, how much attention they put up billboards. They're all trying to get your attention. And I think in my own life, you know, there's times in my life where God really gets my attention sometimes when I'm experiencing stress. Or maybe you've experienced this. Sometimes I feel God's getting my attention most clearly when I'm worried about something. And God says, why are you worried here? Why are you afraid? What's going on here? Maybe some of you have experienced this and it's the worst way for God to get our attention is when someone we love is sick and is maybe going to die. If you ever meet people at that point, I mean, they're all into like, Okay, God, if you're there need a sign, are you going to heal them? Are you gonna, can we do some magical trick oh, like God gets our attention? And that's really disappointing. That for some of us, we have to wait till something really bad happens for God to get our attention. Advent is meant to protect us from that, to say, no, no God wants to get our attention right now. God is trying to speak to many of us in this season so that we don't get lost in the attention of the world, the noise of the world, the, the trinkets and the lights of the world. He's like, no, 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 listen, listen to me now, stay close here. God's trying to get our attention. There's been times in my life where I've prayed for other people that I've prayed for many of you that I've seen God trying to get your attention. And you know what? You've been just too busy. Too busy. That's one of the great gifts of being a pastor, by the way. of seeing what it looks like when people realize that God wants to do something special in their life. And they open up, they're like, wait a second, I never understood this before. I never got this before. God has been trying to get some of your attention. And you know what? I've been praying for some of you You know we have five weekends left in this year and for some of you I've prayed that this would be the year that God would get your attention. I have seen it and you're almost there and you're ready to commit and you're ready to grow and you're ready to kind of turn the page of the old broken past but you're just not there yet. God's trying to get your attention. Maybe that's you. God's like I've been trying to get your attention and every time I pray for this issue in my life like God I need to get your attention I need to see you more clearly. Every time I pray about this I get upset at God. Any of you ever get upset at God and you're praying? You're like, I want this to be a peaceful time, but I have so many questions for God. I want it to be a time of reflection. But God, I'm wondering about... What... Can I just be a, just a confession moment? About when I pray for God to get your attention and to get my attention. It drives me crazy that God doesn't get our attention the way I like to get people's attention. It drives me crazy. Do you know how I get people's attention? My go-to, my number one thing is I yell. Anyone yelling? You ever try it? It works amazing. You should try it. If someone in your house is not listening, just start to yell. I love that one. I yell. My kids get nervous. They run around. My wife looks at me with that look like, why are you yelling? What's going on? Are you 10? That that look? Our marriage is downhill. It's all downhill. pray for us. Some of you got it. Some of you are like, I'm so nervous at this church. Anyway, it's a joke. I love my wife. She's wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Think about how you get people's attention when you're driving. How do you get? You honk. How many of you are like double honkers? Ta-ta. Double honkers? How many of you like honk as if you had a heart attack and you're just on it? (laughs) Any? Why doesn't God do that? Why doesn't God get people's attention like this? How else do you get people's attention? Then this season, God wants to get our attention. And what drives us crazy is that God does not do what we do when we want to get people's attention. He doesn't do that. It drives us crazy. What God does when He wants to get our attention is He makes us wait on Him. He says, "Just wait now, because there's some things I have to do in you that you can only learn if I make you wait." And in that waiting, God comes and He's close and He whispers at certain times and other times He doesn't. He's silent, but He's there all along. And we're like God, but make it fast. I have things to do. Speed this up. Like, how long is this going to take? Whenever you feel that, you are feeling the meaning of Advent. You're feeling the season of God saying, I'm going to make you wait, and as you wait, you're going to learn to trust me, and you're going to learn to see the world and yourself in a different way. You're going to have to wait now. I thought about this as we prepared for these next few weeks, uh, that we're calling our teaching series, All is Bright. And I was hoping that it would get your attention. For some of you, it doesn't get any of your attention, because nothing we do gets your attention, but some of you got it. The, the feeling of like, how can we really believe that all is bright? Like, Dom, do we live in the same world? Okay, like, are we dealing with a war and still with a, a pandemic, something new, pandemic, respiratory something? And like inflation and the banks and corruption and injustice and a mental health crisis. I mean, is it just me? But that's, that's the loop in my house. Click, 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 click. I'm like, oh my goodness, we're so doomed. <laughs> After a while, you're like, I'm just so tired. I don't even know. I don't want to be here. And after a while, a sense of hopelessness, a sense of everything is dark. I meet young couples, they're like, oh, this world for our kids, it's a dark place. You know how much courage and hope it takes to say, but all is bright. Don't know how, how, what it takes to say that? That we are those who believe what the Bible says, that the light of the world is coming into this world, and he's about to point out how bright he's going to make it that we would believe that. It takes like a real radical stance to commit to that. It actually comes from the famous hymn, Silent Night, right? All is calm, all is bright. Like we, we say these words, but it comes from a principle in the Bible. I don't know if you think about your life when you're going through a difficult time, when you're waiting on God, when you feel like things are dark and messy and confusing. It's very hard to say, but all is going to be brighter. Jesus is doing something I can't see, but he's coming. He's coming. One of the beautiful psalms that I love. It's, it's actually a, it's a prayer in Isaiah, but the psalms talk about this, and in a second I'll, I'll read it for you, but you'll see it on the screen. Look what the, the prophet Isaiah says, this profound thing, if you see, if you believe this. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places, that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. Did you ever read this passage? It's how beautiful this is. That the prophet Isaiah says, hey, hey! I know you're feeling maybe that you're waiting and that life feels more complicated than you thought it would be at this time in your life and the world seems darker than you could ever imagine, but I have riches and treasures that can come to you even in the dark. Maybe you need to remember this, that to the God of the Bible, there is no such thing as darkness. Both darkness and light belong to him and he enters spaces as he chooses and he says even when you feel at the darkest moment of your life, There's treasures or riches that are available there. And I will find you there. I will find you in that dark place. When Isaiah wrote this, he was writing to a people who were living in some of the most darkest times that you could ever imagine. I don't know what you think about when you think about dark times. Think a minute and think about this. When you think of a time in your life where things were dark, maybe a season where you were struggling with debt and divorce and just sadness with your kids, just a dark season. I oftentimes still think of of the time of September 11th or, you know, seeing a war star. You're like, it feels like everything feels just dark, a heaviness. What comes to mind when you think of a dark season? Whatever you're thinking of, the people in the Bible who hear Isaiah say this are going through something more complicated than we could ever imagine because the people of God at this time in the Bible are living in exile. Exile means that they are now slaves to foreign rulers. They are slaves and they are learning that God wants to teach them something as they wait on him. And one of the things that you might not know, but in the Bible, in the middle of the Bible, we have all these prophets and the prophets write. And at times when you're reading the prophets, it'll tell you during which nation the Jewish people are feeling like in this dark place of slavery and sadness and brokenness and desolation. Can you imagine the other nations making fun of the Jewish people? Hey, where is your God? Are you guys still praying to that God? Oh yeah, the God we killed? That God? That temple there that you guys worshipped? Oh yeah, we destroyed that. You still praying to that God? The mockery of waiting on a God. Where is he? But they're the people of God. And God says through the prophet Isaiah, no, 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 no. Even in the darkness, you watch now that there's treasures and riches that I will lead to you and you you will sense me moving in a powerful way. But I want to tell you about one of the nations that had conquered the Jewish people and they're called the Babylonians. The Babylonians are like this brutal, brutal nation, and there's a few of them, and they have a king called King Nebuchadnezzar. Have you ever heard of that name, King Nebuchadnezzar? Maybe there's a movie about him somewhere. But at one point, you can go to the next slide, we basically have examples of how the the people of God are feeling, like how dark their world is going to be. This is what we're told in 2 Kings. It says, An official of the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem, and he set fire to the temple of the Lord, the royal palace and all the houses of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Every important building, he burned down. Can you imagine? The darkness of this season. How many of you, if you were honest, you'd be like, I think I would stop praying right away? How many of you? How many of you were honest, you'd be like, listen, if this ever happened here, I'd be like, I I don't even know if I could keep believing in God. The church gets burned down, our houses are burned down, your investments gone, everything you've committed to, and the place where you worship God. He's gone. The Babylonians are like, we're like, we're going to make your life miserable. And you're going to learn that we are the ones, and we are the ones who have the real God, not you Jewish people. Where is your God now? This is the period that leads us to the season we call Christmas. That the people of God are stuck in this middle space of darkness and sadness and confusion. And I, I want you to understand something so important. That the Babylonians are doing this because God is helping us people understand that because of their disobedience, they have to feel what it's like to wait on Him now. One of the ways that God gets our attention in this life is by Him keeping His promises. I don't know if you ever thought about it this way, but whenever you read about God's people going through a season where it's difficult and they're suffering, God says to them, remember we made a covenant? And I said I would be your God and you would worship me as your God and you would keep me the center of your life and the center of your home. You remember when you agreed to do that? But you didn't keep your promise. But God says, I am a God who always keeps his promises. And so now you will know what it's like for me not to be there. One of the times in my life where I think of God trying to get my attention is when I wanted God to do something and I never believed in God or I wasn't committed to God and when I had a problem in my life, I was super committed. It was like committed for a month, back to my own ways, do what I want. And, and I remember God trying to teach me, like, this is not sustainable that you follow me like this. This is not the way I've made you to be, like, a, it's like a whiplash Christianity. You ever get that? Super high, super low. Super great, super the, super, like, it's, it's impossible. We are not wired to ever survive anything like that. We don't survive a relationship like that. We don't survive getting healthy like that. There is, but our world runs on this. Our whole world is governed by this principle. Because if you don't experience that, you're not going to keep buying stuff and doing stuff. And the Bible says, this is not the way I wired you. The people of God in the prophet's time are wondering, what have we done? And God says, you will experience now this sense of crisis, this sense of season of waiting, and you're going to wonder where I am, and you're going to doubt my presence, and you're going to wait and hope, and maybe, maybe this is the moment. What are you waiting for God to do in your life? What do your prayers sound like when you're asking God to heal something that feels so dark? We experience waiting in so many different ways in our culture. Most of the ways our culture defines waiting is that waiting is a waste of time. That's how we define culture. So no wonder when you read the Bible and you see God saying you have to wait, we're like, oh my goodness, forget this. i got to find a new religion. Or how many of you have been watching this thing on TV? It's called like the World Cup. Anybody? It's like soccer, football. Anybody? This week I got a feeling of Willie's like, yes, Messi, the goat. All right. Uh, I, this week I got a moment of, of watching live people waiting. Have you ever watched any of the games? If you're not into sports or, or, or soccer, you can leave right now. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's a joke. Relax. It's a joke. Uh, but, but there's this moment when you're watching this It almost happens every game and there's a moment where either there might be a penalty kick or somebody uh, hurts somebody near the net and if you're not in the sport, and there's this new uh, technology called the VAR technology where the ref runs to the sideline and goes to look what does he do you, know, you ever see this that's, that's, the, that's the universal symbol by the way in the whole world everybody knows what that means yeah, you know what that means it means the ref Maybe miss the call on the field, and they have to go and they have to pause and they have to re-watch the play slow motion to see if there's anything. And anybody who's watching this knows that if the ref sees something suspicious, there might be a penalty kick, right? Anyone see this? And everybody's doing what? Everybody in the planet is what? Is waiting, waiting. They're like, the, like, please, please. And also in my house, everybody's a referee. Everybody's. It's exact. That's my house. I know that guy. I don't know him, but I feel like I know him. That's my brother right there. In Brazil, they're not going to make it, but I like that's my brother. Okay. They're, they're, they're waiting. They're, 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 and and the, the ref is like, get away, get away, i got to watch. And they wait. They wait, is this the moment? Is this the moment our team going to wait? Is this it? And then they're, they're like, no, it's not. If you need an image in your mind of what it feels like to be the people of God at Advent, think of this. Think of what it's like to Wait. Is this is this when God is going to speak again? Is this when God is going to heal us? Is this when God is going to help us in this dark place? No, okay, it's not now. Another generation? Yeah. So we have to tell our kids for a whole other generation that God is not coming. Yeah, you gotta go tell your kids. Go tell them that you were disobedient. Go tell them that I'm a God who keeps my promises. Go tell them that I'm a God that still loves you even though you broke your promises, but I'm, I'm doing something new. Wait, wait. Okay, wait. How long do we wait? How long? For about 400 years, we feel the weight in the Bible of when the people of God are waiting. 400 years. I can't wait like four minutes if you don't text me back. God's like, no, no, you're going to wait. Because Advent reminds us that there's some things that God teaches His people as they wait. In a world that says waiting is a waste of time, God says, I don't care. I don't care what the world says. This is how it's going to work here. You're going to learn to wait and see what I do now. And what God wants His people to understand is that they have a worship crisis on their hands. A worship crisis is that they don't believe it matters to prioritize the worship of God above everything, so now they don't even have a temple to worship in. He's like, you don't want to worship me? You don't even need a temple then. I'm not important to you. Everything else is important. That that Basically, God's going to teach them that until their hearts are not open to make Him the center again, they're going to wait. And wait they do. I, I want to just kind of help you understand something that is so important at this season. And I think it's important for us to understand because I think we are living in our own worship crisis right now. Not only in Quebec, but in Canada and many parts of North America. I've done some traveling. Some of you know this. But other places in the world watch North America and they're like, whatever's going on there, something is up. A people group who at times had commitment to God and commitment to the Bible and commitment to church, like gone. Like there is a real worship crisis on our hands. And so just before I just go on and tell you what God starts to show His people, can I just tell you two important things that I'm noticing, there's more than two, but just two, that I'm noticing, that I want you to notice too, and I want you to pay attention to this in your life too, that represent this worship crisis that we are living in now, very similar to the worship crisis that the Jewish people were living in, where worshiping God and making Him a priority was no longer important. God's like, you don't think this is important, right? You don't think it matters that I'm your God and I'm the center of everything that you are. You don't think that matters. One of the things we notice around the holidays is how Christmas has lost its meaning in our culture. If you're writing anything down, I want you to understand how important this is. That one of the things, you can go to the next slide. I just want to talk that one of the crises of worship is that Christmas went from being a holy day to being a holiday. This is the crisis we're in right now. The word holy means to set apart that for thousands of years, Christians have said, we are setting apart special time, special attention, special resources for the things of God. And we're going to encourage you to do that and to prioritize that. And slowly, just with time, this sense that this is a very special time has become a holiday. You don't believe me. Just look at this quote. A new Pew Research Center surveys finds that 81% of non-Christians in the United States Maybe similar in Canada, celebrate Christmas. You don't. You don't have to even be a Christian to celebrate Christmas. We can probably all agree that anybody can celebrate Christmas. So, what makes you different than anyone else? What would make me and you different from anyone else who says, "Yeah, I have Christmas. Yeah, I believe in God. I might visit church. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah." What? What does that? Is that we are those that realize that we're not just here to celebrate Christmas but we're learning how to wait on God and listen to God and be people who want God to be the center of our lives again. That's what Advent is about. See, because most people want nothing to do with Advent. They just want Christmas. That's why it's easy to start Christmas now. Let's start Merry Christmas right now until the next holiday. But to be a Christian is to understand that there's a worshiping way of life that calls us to see this time as a sacred time. Some of you maybe noticed this. Our staff has, but this year Christmas falls on a Sunday. I'm going to give you a chance for some of you to just get up and leave now. Go get your kids. And I remember hearing people in the church talking about how essential church was to worship when the government says you can't go to church. And now Christmas falls on a Sunday and church is not essential anymore. Do you understand the hypocrisy that that sends to the next generation about who we are? That this is a priority until my family, family. We want the next generation to stand up for what they believe in at school and we can't even stand up to a friend who says, are you coming to my house for Christmas? Are you kidding me? That we get a chance to say, of course we love Christmas, of course we love family, and of course we love food. Amen? But there are certain days that are sacred and we will prioritize what it means to be together and after do all of those things that we get to do. Could you do that this year? As a staff, we're learning to say, no, we're going to be here on Sunday. We want to be together. We're going to do our best to create a time where you can, with your kids, say, we're going to open gifts. We're going to have a lot of food. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to sleep, but we're also going to make Jesus the center. We have a worship crisis, and the Old Testament is filled with the people of God thinking, hey, well, man, it's not a big deal. It's Part two of this crisis is we have so many of us that have gotten into the habit to not even read the Bible or know what the meaning of the season is because we don't read the Bible anymore. You can go to the next slide. That Christmas without the wisdom of the Bible soon becomes like whatever you want it to be. Can I just encourage you, just this year, I don't ask for lots, but can I encourage you to just say, I'm going to open my Bible and read just some of the stories, maybe some of the prophets. You know what? As you open the prophets, they're going to be so hard to understand. You're going to be so confused, but keep reading. Because you'll feel what it's like for the people to wait and to pray and to ask God to move, and God's like silent. The lesson of what that means. I thought of a scenario that I, I tried with some people a few years ago. And I want to ask you to think about it in your own life. If you met somebody who was not a Christian, someone who did not believe in Christmas. Someone who did not believe in Jesus. And they said to you, hey, are you, are you? do you go to church? He's like, are you a Christian? And you'd be like, oh yeah, I try, right? And I want to learn about Christmas. Where should I read about Christmas in the Bible? What would you say? What would you say to them? Almost everyone I asked this question to had no idea. They wouldn't even know where to say, to invite someone who's curious about Jesus to know where to read about him in the Bible. i would be like, I thought you were a Christian. Yeah, I am, but not that kind. Not the kind that reads the Bible. Okay, okay, I love that kind. That we get a chance this season, the next few weeks, to say, hey, we just want to go back. And uh, listen to me, I'm not trying to be shame or to put pressure. I'm just trying to be honest that we have a crisis on our hand the way Israel had a crisis on their hand when they were waiting for God to move now. Because worship didn't matter. Being formed in the ways of God didn't matter anymore. And I know for each of us, likely, we would not encourage people to start reading the Old Testament to understand Christmas. Because that's where Christmas begins. In the stories of Israel, where God is saying, I sent my prophets to you, and you remember when you ignored them? Wow, you ignored them. After you tasted of my goodness, you tasted of my faithfulness, I was with you in the darkest times, I provided for you when nobody could, and now everything is going great, so you stopped worshiping me. Wow! Wow! God's like, I got to remind you, I'm a God who keeps my promises. Exile is coming now. The Babylonians, the Persians, the Assyrians, the Greeks, just a wave. God's like, do you miss me yet? Do you miss hearing from me? Do you miss your kids knowing that I'm the God who's the only one who can heal them? Do you miss that yet? I was thinking of what to call my sermon, and my sermon is called, do you miss me yet? Because all of Advent is God quietly saying to his people, do you miss me? Or do you think this is just like a holiday? This is what God says through the prophet Amos. This doesn't rub you the wrong way, nothing will. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or of thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. God's like, I will be silent now and you will learn what it's like to not have my voice. Would you miss that? Think about someone you know that if they never called you again right now, you would miss them more than anything. Who would that be? I think of my kids. If my kids said, Dad, we're never talking to you again, I'd be like, what? To never hear your voice again? Never. A few years ago, I spoke to a pastor friend of mine pastoring in a church, a good friend. It was right around Christmas time. His son called him up and said, I never want you to call me again. You ruined me. The church ruined me. The things you, you said to me, I was confused. A lot of tension there. Every time I call my friend, I ask him, hey, have you heard from your son? Have you, have you tried to reach us? Like, Nothing yet. Going on three years almost now. Who would be that person if they said, I never want to hear from you again. How much would you miss them? And do you miss God more if God didn't speak to you? Would you miss God's voice, God's leading, God's presence, God's peace more? Or is it just like, not really. I live my life how I want anyway. At Advent, God wants us to get to the place where we together say, God, we miss hearing from you. We miss your presence. We miss what it looks like when you have full reign in our lives. We miss what it looks like if you were the the ruler of our country. We miss all of those things. We want you to come and heal our land. We want you to come and heal our hearts. We, We just miss hearing from you. Because Advent is not only a time where God says you're waiting, but God starts to move now. And God starts to stir in the people's hearts what it is they miss the most. You know, what you miss the most usually points to to the things you worship. That's a good way to know what you're worshiping. What you desire the most, what you pray for, are usually the things that you worship. It's not that hard. And when we wait, we get such a good taste of the things we're waiting for, the things we want the most, the things that reveal what's in our hearts the most. And God's like, do you miss me? Do you miss hearing from me? Do you miss me at work in your life? Do you miss what it looks like when I enter spaces And show you that I have treasures for you, even in dark times. I have that. Well, at one point, the people of Israel, they start to pray because of how much they miss God. And at one point, this is what one of the prayers says. It's pretty profound. They say, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. Zion is another name for the hills in Jerusalem. For there, our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion Do you know like the mockery this is like sing a song pretend to be happy pretend to be happy for us it's gonna be great sing a song remind us of your God again yeah remind us of the songs you sing because he's not coming he's not here you're you're your slaves to us Do you feel how important it is that you feel this and we don't rush this for you to feel how special it's going to be when Jesus comes to know that the people are waiting and they're singing and they're longing and they're praying. It's not Christmas yet. It's Advent. And we're moving with these people as they wait and as they long for God to move. And we're given a chance to say, God, what are the things that we miss the most? We're given a chance to say, God, what are you doing in my waiting? In my life, God has done some of the best work in my life. While I'm waiting and praying, because it's in that time that I've seen clearly the things that have my heart, the things that have gripped my life, they just kind of come to the surface as I wait. The times in my life where I was greedy, times in my life where I was angry. I remember a time this year during COVID, no word of a lie, during COVID, I just, I was so tired, I couldn't even pray. I just quietly, and I I just sat, and I'm like, God, I, I don't even know what to ask for. And I remember the sense of God saying to me, why are you so angry? I was like, it's true. Like, why am I so angry? I was angry at everything. I just saw the worst in everything. And where there's anger, there's always bitterness. And where there's bitterness, there's always gossip. You know anyone like that? They're all connected. And I'm just waiting. I didn't even have words to pray. And God's like, why? Why this anger? Let, let Let me heal this. Leave this here now. Why this gossip? And the waiting, God reveals the things that have our hearts. The things that come in and they grip our hearts and they destroy our ability to worship. And soon what happens? We just follow the pattern of the world. And this season is just like, whatever. It's a good holiday. No, it's not a holiday. It's a holy time of waiting and asking God to reveal to us what's in our hearts. The next thing that God's going to help the people understand is that as they wait, He has a special way that He can be present with them in the darkness and in the pain. And I'm going to invite the band to come up and we're going to prepare ourselves to take communion. But this is one of the most beautiful, beautiful prayers of the people of God as they wait. This is what it says. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. It's one of the most, I I love this, this section of the Psalms. That even when you see darkness all around you, do you know that to God, darkness is like light? Do you know what it means that in the most darkest place, God can enter that and can be like, you just watch now. Just when you thought you could hide or it didn't matter or darkness was gonna swallow you up and silence you, God's like, no, 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 no. I have a new prayer for you. I have a new song for you. A song that will prepare you for what I'm doing now. A song that will prepare you for the gift I have in store for you. The gift is coming. Do not rush it. All of you know this, that it takes a while to grow a baby. I was saying that to my kids this week. You know, like Advent, we're waiting, and I was explaining to one of them, I'm like, you know, when a baby's born, it takes a few months for the baby to be born. It's a long waiting. My son said to me, all babies? I said, yeah, all babies. Like, all babies take that long to grow? I'm like, yeah, all babies. I said, if babies are born actually too early, it's actually very bad for them. Imagine, even just the nine months of waiting for baby Jesus to grow, to prepare. You're living in Advent. You're living in that season where God's like, wait, wait, wait now. Something is coming. Prepare yourselves. And as you wait, what has your heart? What has your heart? What is there that will keep you from worshiping me the way I am to be worshiped? What is there? And if you wait, I will show you, God says. And as you wait, and you sense the darkness and, and everything in you, the temptation to say, all is not bright, all is dark, all is bad. In the waiting, Jesus says, you watch, because I am the light and darkness doesn't even exist to me. Do you understand that? Before we come to communion this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray that you would pay attention to this worship crisis that maybe is gripping your heart. Maybe you're feeling like everyone else, that Christmas and the season is kind of losing its meaning. And maybe as you come to communion today, you would be reminded that Jesus does something for us At the end of his life that begins, even before he comes, he's such a good God that he wants us to prepare ourselves to receive that he's gonna call us his friend. I don't know what you need to confess. I don't know how your schedule looks between now and the end of the year. But I know this that if you do not prioritize Jesus as the one you worship, Christmas and this season will just come and go. It'll just be about family and friends. That's great. And that's all we have. We've missed the whole meaning of the Bible. We've missed the whole story of a loving God. We've missed all of the joy and the treasures that come in seasons of waiting and darkness. We miss all those. A few weeks ago, I got a, a note. It's a message on social media. From someone and sometimes i get a message i'm like i don't know this person and i'm like well maybe it's spam what's going on and the person said hey pastor dom this is heather i don't know if you remember me but we met eight years ago and i was like heather Heather, and i realized i remember heather. i remember meeting with her in my office when i was still in ontario and i remember very clearly something about heather that she was living in darkness complete disorientation in her life I felt like almost that I I think I was her last resort (laughs) I think I should meet with the pastor guy he's the guy magic sauce guy none of that it's a picture of Heather and when she came into my office I didn't know all this but this is stuff she talks about drugs and alcohol were my way of escaping I wasn't shy about using them on a regular basis Letting go of the alcohol was a painful process. I hit rock bottom and I was ashamed of the person I was pretending to be. At Advent, God asks each of us that question. Are you ashamed of the person you would become if you stopped worshiping Jesus as Lord? Are you ashamed of the person you will be If God is not the center of your life, are you ashamed? Heather sent me a note. She says, I want to tell you something that's been happening in my life and I wanted to share this with you that that day in your office, something happened and I wish I could remember everything because I would try to sell it. Be like, okay, what is it? I package it up. It's Christmas. I could sell you whatever I said. It wasn't that complicated. Heather reminded me She said, you just told me that God loves me. I said, that's all? I'm smarter than that. Like, did I explain the Trinity? Did I explain something? She's like, no. You just said God loves me, and something happened. Something happened that day that I was not a part of for eight years until two weeks ago when Heather sent me a note and said, this coming weekend, I'm getting baptized. See a picture of this. And she says, I want you to know that understanding that god loved me in the darkest place changed everything at advent at advent god's like feels dark doesn't it feels broken out there doesn't it feels heavy sad depressing but all is bright because one is coming he's coming who laughs at the darkness He comes and he has treasures that bubble up when we are willing to say we are embarrassed and ashamed of pretending that this is some holiday game that we play. We get a chance to prepare ourselves and to say say to God, would you reveal the things that need to be healed in my heart as we take time and come to this table this morning? Because at this table, Jesus says, you watch you watch what I do. I'm about to do something that's going to restore everything and then you get to be part of how I heal the world. Let's sing this song before Pastor Michael comes up and leads us.
2: Thank you that you are so good to us, that you are our safe place, even in the darkness. And that you care about us so much that you want to remind us what it means to keep you at the center of our lives, what it means to worship you when we've felt far from you or maybe we've turned away from you, that you are calling us back to yourself again that you care so much about us, that you, as we even just prepare for this time of communion at your table, that you are the one who calls us here. Would you prepare our hearts for this time now? We ask in your name. Amen. So as we prepare together, uh, if you're you're new or you haven't uh, done communion with us before, uh, last time, if you were here, we gave some special instructions that I'll give again. Uh, which is that as we've moved from COVID, we're coming back to just uh, having you come up to take the cup and the bread. And so we're going to have two lines here. Uh, One line uh, will come and receive uh, from myself and Pastor Dom will be on the other side to come and receive. And um, you'll come and you'll take the cup and the bread. And we're actually going to, as part of that, just say a special prayer or blessing. And part of the symbolism of this that we want to remind you of, especially uh, at this time is that the table is something we can't receive for ourselves. We can only receive it from God. That, you know, maybe this is weird, or you would, you would imagine doing it differently. That God says, we re- you receive on my terms. The table is a place that we remember what it means to depend, that only Jesus can sustain and feed us in a special way. But more than that, especially at Advent, we remember that we can only receive on His terms, not on our own. Jesus says in the Bible, I go to prepare a place for you, that he's done that with each of us in mind. But as we prepare to take this morning, we're reminded of our temptation to have him on our own terms. As we think of things we want him to fix even in our own lives, heal my marriage by fixing my spouse or fix this issue in in, in my life as fast as, as I want it to be fixed. But the table is the place where those expectations, our terms go to die so that we can have God on his terms. So he can remind us of the nourishment that only he can give when we learn to put him at the center of how he wants to meet us in the darkness, remind us that he alone is faithful, that he alone has the healing that we need. So as we prepare together, we just ask you to just take a moment before you come up, after you sit back down, just think about, as Pastor Dom shared, what are those things that are keeping my heart from receiving at the table? What are those things that are getting in the way? And what does it mean to just surrender them to God and to let God work again in our lives on His terms, as only He can? I just want to say before I invite you to come up, if you're new and this is all new to you, maybe you haven't been baptized, we are not ready. We want to know that you're. We want you to know that you're so welcome here. We're so glad that you're with us. We just encourage you to uh, just stay where you are as part of just being welcome here. Uh, but if you're ready, we, we're going to ask you in a moment to come up again in these two lines. To come and to receive. It might feel awkward, but just to pause and just to, to hear the words we have before you sit down. And then after you sit, uh, Pastor Dom will come up and we'll, we'll, he'll lead us in taking communion together. And so uh, the, we're going to kind of go from two, two sides in as we prepare let me just say a, another prayer for us It's us pray I invite you to pray with me and so God just now would you lead us in this time as only you can lead would you help us even now to trust in how you lead us even when it doesn't meet our expectations or how we think this should go teach us now to depend more and more on you Thank you that you go before us and that you are with us now in this time. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Come as you feel that
1: really special for Pastor Michael and for myself to offer you the cup and the wafer, reminding you that the body and the blood of Jesus were broken for you. That this is not just some idea or something we invented, but it's a sacred time where Jesus, with his own disciples, in a dark time, wondering, how is God going to fix this mess? Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. Go to the slide. The Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it, and then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Think about that. For you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you just want to take the wafer And as you take it, just say, Jesus, you did this for me. Let's take it together. slide. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take the cup together. everyone in this story has no idea that the next three days are going to feel like 300 years. They will have to wait and hope that Jesus, their Lord, who is dead, would be raised to life again. And he was raised to life again. He was. Before I let you go, today and I pray I want to remind you that at that meal Jesus washed his disciples feet as a reminder that those who took this meal would have to use their feet and their hands and their life to tell others that he's the only one that gives real life It's the only one so as we go now in a world ready to move to Christmas and to gifts and to noise we, we, we just stay in Advent for a bit we just learn to pray and wait and ask God to do something new this year? And would you each here, and if you're watching, prioritize being together because this is not a holiday. This is a holy, sacred time for us to honor Jesus, who is our King and our friend. Let's just stand as we pray. Father, we thank you for the ways that you are at work now. Holy Spirit, would you speak in the waiting? Would you show up in surprising ways and remind us of the treasures of hope that are available to us as we wait on you? Help us to pay attention to the things that want our hearts that will make it hard for us to worship you. Protect us from those things. And help us to prioritize what it means that we are being formed by a different way of life. Help us to live this with our children and with our friends, with our grandchildren. May they know that even in the waiting, you are the faithful one. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, we love you all. God bless. Grab your kids, an
0: Advent resource, and we'll see you next week.